Namaste, I'm Pallavi and uh, I'm a co-faculty at the HUA teaching Sanskritam. Today we have with us Ramaji, uh, a multifaceted personality and uh, a passionate student of Sanskritam who has recently completed uh, CPSP program uh, in, at HUA. Welcome Ramaji. So, Ramaji, in uh, our last discussion, uh, I understand that you completed a CPSP program and you're really excited to you know, take it further. So, just want to know what's your next plan? Yeah, so I've already been assisting in teaching courses at HUA for the past three quarters and I will continue to do so. And uh, teaching has helped me stay in touch and learn a lot, a lot of these things with a lot more clarity. In addition, I cleared my master's entrance exam and I'm starting my MA in Sanskritam at HUA in July, 2022. And thereafter, I plan on continuing to teach Sanskritam and learn more and read all the absolutely interesting Sanskritam literature that we have. Oh, that's amazing. And congratulations because uh, you Thank are you. now going to start your MA in, at HUA. So I just want to understand one thing, Ramachi. You said uh, you cleared your uh, MA entrance at HUA. So why HUA? I mean, what is so unique about uh, the courses that HUA is offering? Yeah, first, uh, first of all, I think um, they offer it in a very graded way. So you can start at any level you want. Um, they're very well designed and targeted for wherever, whatever level you're at. And also while the medium of teaching is English for the beginner level courses, the exams are in Sanskritam, whereas that's not the case for a lot of the colleges in India and all of that. So this kind of nudges the student to become a little more independent in English and think in Sanskritam. Even the books which annotate everything in English at the beginning slowly drop the English translations as they go a little advanced. And the courses in HUA are also being constantly reviewed and improved based upon student feedback. So I think they're pretty unique. Yeah, sure, agree with you. Uh, so um, I, I just want to understand it uh, now, how do you continue to sustain the momentum of the study you know, that uh, um, you have taken up through the Sanskritam uh, at HUA? So how are you going to manage that? Yeah, so other than my master's degree, there are a lot of options. Other, I mean, I chose master's, but one can have various options. One of them is to teach at HUA. And this is one of the best ways to keep in touch with Sanskritam and learn even more Sanskritam mm -hmm. while doing a service to by propagating it. So one could even take up writing articles for HUA blog in Sanskritam. I love writing, so that's one thing I thought of. And HUA offers another very unique opportunity of cataloging and translating some very rare, untouched Sanskritam texts. And I think being part of this one-of-a-kind database is a rare blessing. One could increase their knowledge also by preparing and appearing for Sanskrita Bharati exams like Pravesha, Parichaya, Shiksha and Kovida. Personally, in my gap quarter between my CPSP and masters, I've been brushing up on my knowledge using the Gita Pravesha series of uh, books from Samskruta Bharati. A very nice set of books. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I can relate to what you had said uh, in our last uh, discussion about Abhyasa and Shraddha. So that is very important. 
True. So yes. now when it comes to Abhyasa and Shraddha, uh, my, my next question to you is, uh, uh, what do you think is a really helpful uh, self-study or uh, doing a group study having uh, with the co-students and collaborating study? So what's, what's your say on it? Yeah. So I, I think it depends on the individual, but I I would say a combination of both would be ideal. At the beginning, having the support of a study circle is a good thing so that students are not overwhelmed. Thereafter, when the student gets a little more independent in their thinking, the proportion of time spent on individual study and group study could change. But my teacher at uh, HUA always used to quote this Subhashitam, Acharyat Padamadatte, Padam Shishya Swamedhaya, Padam Sabrahmacharibhya, Padam Kalakramenachar. What that means is only a quarter of their learning comes from the teacher. The second quarter comes from self-study. The third quarter comes from group study or collaborative study with the other students, with the co-students. And the last quarter comes in due course of time only. Yeah, so that's <laughs> that is true. And it just keeps coming. I mean, it's never ending. <laughs> true. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so just now you uh, quoted one Subhashitam also and uh, in our last discussion also you were speaking about Yoga Sutras. Uh, so, you know, when we recite all these things, there is, a, it is they always say that uh, you when you recite, the recitation should be proper, the pronunciation should be proper because, you know, Sanskrit sounds, they're very special. So, yes. So what is so special about them? Yeah, so that's absolutely correct. I mean, Sanskrit sounds are very special because they the Sanskritam word has come about directly from the object that it represents. So every object emits some vibration, some sound, and that becomes the name of the object. Hence, what happens is that, and, and there is a very interesting Yoga Sutra that I learned in chapter three, the 17th sutra, which says, Shabdartha pratyayanam itaretara dhyasat sankaraha tat pravibhava samyamat sarvabhuta rutagnyanam. What that means is that by the process, by observing the process of perception as meditatively as you can, the process of the object first impacting me through my senses its relationship to its context and how my prana moves outward to interact with the object and make sense and meaning of it. When one is able to observe this process deeply, subtly and meditatively, they develop the capability of understanding the language of all things. Can you imagine that? So yes, Sanskritam words are very powerful in that they have the potential of deeper connection with other sentient beings and the surroundings. Maybe people will become a lot more compassionate towards others and their environment and connect better if they study Sanskritam. Who knows? Absolutely. Compassion is something that we are missing nowadays. Mm -hmm. And I'm also very sure that if people, more and more people, if they learn Sanskritam, definitely they'll, they'll come more close to you know, what we can say is the self. Yeah, and it's quoted in the Yoga Sutras, no less. So. Yeah, very true. Uh, my, uh, this is a kind of a bit of personal question, if you can say so, that how Samstrutam has impacted you personally? Oh, I could go on and on. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> Firstly, I feel my brain has been activated in some way. I imagine that it is a lot more clear than it was earlier. Um, I think 
Sanskritam has a way of exercising a lot, a bigger portion of my brain than any other subject that I've ever studied before. And this is my personal experience. So I feel a lot more alert and active and present when I'm learning Sanskritam. And whereas earlier I used to forget things, I noticed I remember things a lot better now. New words that I've learned in Sanskritam, I maybe have used it once or twice, and they just stay with me. I definitely feel a lot happier and more grounded, especially right after classes when it's most tangible, right? So another very interesting fact <clears throat> about Sanskritam is that the meaning of the words in Sanskritam is not fixed to an object. And for example, take the word khaga. It is mostly com uh, most commonly used to mean bird, but it simply means something that moves in the sky the property or the ability of the object to move in the sky. So Kaga can mean Surya, which is sun, an aeroplane, a satellite, a frisbee, or anything. And the exact object is only derived from the context in which it is used. Because if you think about it in the grand philosophical scheme of things, who are we without a context, right? So it is so aligned with the Indian thought process. It instantly connects you with the in Indian culture. So Sanskritam and Indian culture are just so intimately connected. And I suppose actually this is the reason why the British who had learned Sanskritam way back then realized that the best way to destroy India and bring it under their rule is to ban Sanskritam and introduce English schools pretending to civilize us, thereby cutting us off from the very culture that feeds and nurtures us. So now if you ask me why I learned Sanskritam, I might say, to decolonize my mind and to reconnect with my culture from the pre-British era. Everyone knows that the traditions we have going on now are just a pale, hollow reflection of what our culture had to offer. I want to get back to that. And another special thing about Sanskritam is that the preferred voice is passive voice. In English, <clears throat> we always speak in active voice. We say, I did this, I ate this, I have, I am, etc. But in Sanskritam, it's always mostly passive voices preferred. Like this was done, that was eaten, you know, like that kind. So this is definitely more aligned with the spirituality in our culture, which aims to dissolve the ahankara, the I-ness, the identity, and find the true self. So Sanskritam is so aligned with our spiritual thought process in so many ways, and so no wonder it's called the Deva Bhasha. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I completely agree with you. I mean, there are, uh, when you're talking, I could I could also, you know, uh, relive some of my experiences when I was learning Sanskritam. And uh, yeah, I can relate to what you are saying. So Ramaji, thank you so much for being with us. And, uh, and those viewers who are inspired and motivated by Ramaji's journey of uh, Sanskritam, uh, for them, do visit our website, hua.edu, or you can uh, email us on info at hua.edu or support at hua.edu to find out more details about the courses that HUA is offering in Samskritam and otherwise. So thank you so much. Thank you.